can do so much for you. Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place normally. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, you in danger, girl. It's my <laughs> sister, Marissa. That was the best. It was the best. Uh, now that The Good Place is on hiatus, we are back to our theme months where we're watching movies and TV somehow related to The Good Place. This month's theme is the time of your afterlife. So we are watching non-scary movies about ghosts, spirits, and the afterlife. This, this was kind of scary, though. <laughs> there were b- bits of it that were scary. This week's pick, the Patrick Swayze classic, Ghost. Oh, I love this movie. <laughs> my love. Yeah. You told me I'm supposed to stop you from singing that. I but... also told you you'd be unable to stop me from yes. singing it. <laughs> so... it, was, it was great. This movie was great. Yay. Because I recommended this one. Right, because I'd never, seen it, never seen it And then as the week went on, I was like, you know, I saw Ghost a long time ago. Maybe it's, like, worse than I remember. Did I, like, make a bad recommendation? And then I get a text on Thursday night (laughs) from Marissa, all caps, Whoopi Goldberg is an American treasure. (laughs) She is! So I knew I did the right thing. I knew I did it right, so... All of the the acting in this movie is so good. Amazing. I'm not sure that I, I... I think I keep saying this, maybe it's a lie... I'm not sure that I notice acting that much generally. I don't think I notice it unless it's at, at extreme opposite ends of like the bell curve. Okay. Basically, if it's really bad, I notice it. And if it's really good, I notice it. And it was really like all the acting in this movie was really good. Tony Goldwyn was great. Oh, he was so, yes. Mm-hmm. So good. Whoopi Goldberg was amazing. Yes. Patrick Swayze is just incredible i know you like have a huge huge crush have a, on, on, on peace ways <laughs> huge huge crush and to me more like had to what i really loved about the or what i really appreciated about all the actors in this movie is that they all had to act that or, that like they weren't in the room together do you well, know it's what I mean? Thing. It's the same thing as the Robert Downey Jr. movie. Yes, exactly. They ha- everyone had to keep pretending like those four actors were not in the scene with them. You know, so when they're on the couch and he's like, oh, I'm right, I'm sitting right next to her. And she kind of has to look at him, like look at him, but not see him. I thought she did a great job with like trying to find him in that space, you know, with the look on her face and everything. It was just, I, I thought she did a good job. She probably had the least to do yeah she definitely had yeah. the least to do it was yeah. mostly crying <laughs> i i love her hair in this movie though oh it's great oh, everyone, everyone looks beautiful in this movie <laughs> <laughs> gorgeous gorgeous before we get into the recap just a little bit of housekeeping you can find us on itunes google play and at goodplay.cast.rocks please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice and you can follow and like us on Facebook. Uh, currently on Facebook, we're talking about how did this get made? <laughs> Another podcast. Another podcast. Driven people too. Which is awesome. Uh, Twitter, we're at the Good Play Pod, and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. So shall we shall we get into it? I don't know. I mean I took pretty detailed notes. I don't know if you want to be that detailed or if you just want to give an outline and then we can get to it or whatever you want to do. I'll probably end up falling somewhere in the middle. Okay. So this movie takes place in New York City, the most haunted city in the world, it turns out. (laughs) I mean, not surprised. (laughs) And our main characters are Sam, who's played by Patrick Swayze. A perfect specimen of a man. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Molly, who's played by uh, Demi Moore. Uh, and Carl, who's played by Tony Goldwyn, who, like, I had never seen before. He's the president on Scandal. I've never seen Scandal. Oh, okay. I, I looked him up. I was like, Goldwyn, that can't be a coincidence. It's not. You know, Metro Goldwyn Mayor. It's like oh. his, his his father and grandfather. Oh, okay. You know, NBD. Were... Yeah, right. But he turns out to be great. But I instantly was like, oh, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I do radar. not know about this guy. <laughs> and it turned out I was right. So... <laughs> Yeah, spoilers for, uh, like, the movie that we are recapping right now. Yes. So, Molly is an artist. Sam and Carl work as, uh, work in banking. Uh, Sam is a a little senior to Carl, it seems like. But Sam trusts Carl with, you know, sort of the secret financial information that he has access to. They are renovating this, like, beautiful... Right, Brana doesn't. Brana kind of wants Patrick Swayze, but really just wants the apartment. That apartment, I was like, because this the was the this was you know this is late eighties <laughs> New York. It was yours for the taking. I mean, seriously, I, I the last time I saw this movie, I was did not live in New York, and so I don't think I understood what it meant to have that big of an apartment in Lower Manhattan. Whew! I was like, oh god, watching it this time, and they're like, like going at. The thing with like sledgehammers, like it was apparently, it seems to have been an abandoned building. I was say, basically, like, they they own that. <laughs> they're not they're yes. not renting if they're going right. at it with sledgehammers. Yeah, right. It's and it's obvious. It's got to be Sam's money, right? Because it Molly, has to be Sam's money. Molly is an artiste. She's an art. She's like she makes sculptures like uh, the mom from Beetlejuice. <laughs> Good pull. <laughs> so Sam seems to be slightly emotionally unavailable. I would say, kind of. Like, he obviously loves Molly, and they have, like, a pretty good relationship. But there's this one scene where he she keeps kind of asking him, like, what's wrong? Like, she can tell something's wrong, but he doesn't want to talk about it. And when she says that she loves him, he says, ditto. And this kind of turns into, like, a little miniature argument of, like, hey, sometimes I just need to hear you say I love you. And he's like, oh, you know I love you. Ooh. Yeah, people say it all the time. They don't really mean it. Yeah. Like, which is, like, men of the world, please stop. <laughs> Stop. Your gender is a wasteland. Please stop. <laughs> so, yeah. So the most famous scene in this movie is the is the clay scene, which... Yeah, I got a story about that, but okay. I might save it for later. So I have a thing. I don't like my hands to be dirty. <laughs> like, I if I pet a dog, I am immediately, like, running to the bathroom to wash my hands. And uh, clay is almost... It is dirt. That's what clay is. Yeah, it's dirt. Okay, guys? It's dirt. Like, it's dirt you can make into pretty shapes, but it's still dirt. (laughs) And so, like, everyone knows this scene, right? Do I really have to talk about it? (laughs) I mean, no, but... They go from... They go from him kind of coming up behind her, creeping up, ruining something that she's working on, which I was like, like, is that okay? And... (laughs) Then it moves into them having sex, and it's not clear to me. I was looking really hard at their hands, and I was like, they, they don't were clean. Se- they don't seem to have the clay on them anymore. So I guess they paused, paused long enough to wash up. Which, I guess. by the way, I have taken several wheel throwing classes in my life. It takes a long time to clean that up. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's not realistic. <laughs> they would still be all dirty. Ooh, I think ooh. we're picking nits a little early. <laughs> 
My So I watched this movie with my husband, which is not my normal thing to do for the movies that I watch for this uh, podcast. Normally, I do not inflict these things on him. But it was Valentine's Day and Ghost is a romantic movie. So I was like, let's watch it together. And like later, he like texted me a gif of like the clay throwing scene, and I was like, no, uh, absolutely not, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, shutting no, that no. Down. stop, 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 not fun, not sexy, not cool, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Ugh. But they have sex; it's nice. So, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so the next day at work. Sam's telling Carl, like, huh, there's something weird about these accounts that I'm managing. Like, there's too much money in them. And Carl's like, oh, let me investigate. And Sam's like, no, I'm already investigating it. Don't worry about it. It's not clear to me whether he suspects Carl, but I think no. He doesn't, because he's, like, totally shocked later when he finds out. Yeah. So, and Carl's like, oh, what are you doing tonight? And Sam's like, because, you know, and you think maybe he's fishing for an invite, because he's, like, always around them. To the point where Molly's like, oh, Carl's coming over again. Like, he's helping them demolish the apartment you know walls he's he's always like coming over and stuff which i was like hmm hmm yeah hmm. he's like they're he's patrick swayze's bro yeah i guess i don't know hmm so yes yeah, so carl asks what they're doing and sam's like oh molly's dragging me to see Macbeth," and carl's like oh okay cool whatever after they get out of Macbeth, and they're kind of like teasing each other like sam kind of slept through it apparently they are like walking down this extremely shady like side alley which i was like how is it, aren't you in like the theater district? Like, what's shady dark alley is this? Okay, whatever. Yeah, they get. I a, mean, no extras in this movie. That is something I will say that every time all the streets are just empty. Every time they did an exterior shot of New York City, I was like, there would be four hundred. If this were really New York City, there would be four hundred thousand people out on like a Saturday night. Anyway, yeah, seriously. So as they're walking down some dark completely abandoned alley they get accosted by this dude who you know says tells sam give me your wallet give me your wallet but sam kind of and and molly's like please just give him your wallet but sam kind of goes at it with him and in there's a struggle the guy's gun goes off he runs but sam has been shot and there is a very artsy dream sequence that happens here that i found very unsettling yeah it's it's uh, (laughs) like it's 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 like um it's like jacob's ladder (laughs) it's like this weird like all this weird imagery of like angels you know and and waking up and in in a bed with a sculpture of an angel and all that and then we're back on the street and sam sort of sees a bright light but molly keeps screaming like stay with me sam stay with me meanwhile I should say, Sam has separated from his body. He is now a spirit, sort of separate from his body. And his body is bloody and on the ground. And Molly is is screaming, you know, stay with me, stay with me. And so this light comes, but but Sam does not go into the light. He stays with Molly. Mm -hmm. She keeps screaming for help. And finally, like, on this completely abandoned street, like, two guys come to help her. And somebody calls an ambulance, but it's too late. Sam is dead. They're... In the hospital, it becomes pretty clear that he's dead, you know, and Sam watches Molly kind of get walked out to a lobby by a doctor who's telling her the news. Meanwhile, an old man ghost is like, hey, I'm also a ghost. I'm waiting for my wife to die. Like, what's up? Oh, hey, look. <laughs> hey, look, that guy's dying too. Watch. And we see this man on on a table and they like try to 
restart his heart and it doesn't work. And we see his spirit like separate from his body and like get assumed into like a bright light in the ceiling. And the old man's like, well, I'm glad he was a good guy because you should see the other kind. Like, ooh, it's not pretty. Okay, anyway, have fun being dead. Bye. Yeah, he <laughs> just like, immediately leaves. And poor Sam is completely overwhelmed by all of this. Yeah. He goes to his own funeral and Molly's just sobbing, of course, and Sam just is standing there completely helpless. And he's like haunting their apartment and Molly is just like talking to him. But of course she doesn't know he's actually there. She's just like, I picked up your shirts at the dry cleaners today and I don't even know why. It's so heartbreaking. It's awful. And Sam's just like, Molly, I'm here. But, but she can't hear him at all. Carl comes over to go through some of Sam's things. And Molly keeps being like, no, I want to keep this. I want to keep that. And Sam's like, Molly, why would you keep that? But neither of them can hear him. So Carl's like, Molly, come on. It's it's really, you don't want to be stuck inside this apartment all the time. It's like really unhealthy. Like, come out with me, come out with me. And Molly's like, okay, fine. I'll go for a walk. They leave. But as soon as they leave, someone unlocks the apartment and slips in. And it's this guy who killed Sam, who we find out his name is Willie Lopez. So I'm just going to say Willie. So Willie comes into the apartment. He starts sneaking around. And Sam is like, what are you doing here? What? And of course, he can't hear Sam. Like, what are you doing here? But then Molly comes back almost immediately and Molly like goes into her bedroom and she's like changing and Willie is like ogling her. It's disgusting from like behind like a behind a balustrade or something. But then the, the only entity who can sense Sam is the cat. So Sam goes over the cat and scares the cat and the cat jumps up and claws Willie on the face and Willie runs out and Molly's like, is somebody there? But she doesn't really follow up with that, which was really weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I think if if my boyfriend had just gotten shot and then I hear a noise in the apartment, I I would have called the up with police, that. right? Like yeah. that was weird. So Sam follows Willie on the subway, and he runs into a schizophrenic ghost in the subway car, who is played by this amazing character actor, who's I would I would butcher his last name if I tried it, but. He's just like, rah, get off my subway, rah! And he, yeah. but, but Sam notices that he can actually affect the physical world. Like, he smacks people's newspapers out of their hands and, and scatters bags and stuff like that. And he breaks the glass he window does. on the, the subway. And I'm like, no one is reacting to this? <laughs> it's, it's New York, it's New in, York like, in 1989. <laughs> I guess that's, yeah. Yeah, yep. I loved when he was, like, breaking stuff later. I was like, oh, that's why the subways are like that. It's all the angry it's ghosts. It's all the ghosts. <laughs> the poor MTA is like, we, we're trying. It's, it's the ghosts. It's the ghosts. It's not the L train. It's the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam ends up following this criminal to Brooklyn. Where um, all- <laughs> yeah, good. No, go ahead. <laughs> you have in the notes, where all criminals live. <laughs> yeah, except I have an issue with where this guy lives, but I'll get to it in a minute. <laughs> Okay. So Willie calls someone on the phone, says, oh, the plan didn't work, but I'm going to, I'm going to get it. I'm going to, you know, she, I, I'll get it when she's gone or whatever. And Sam's like, you know, what is going on? And, and Molly's in danger. And then he just leaves Willie's apartment and he happens to wander into a, like a psychic, a psychic's apartment or mm-hmm. a psychic's storefront. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's Whoopi, American treasure, Whoopi Goldberg. American treasure. <laughs> playing Oda Mae Brown. And she she looks so good in this movie. She looks great. She looks she, great. She's just like, 
she's just so like her face is so open and beautiful and i was really annoyed later when they say oh she has a record going back to 1967 i was like don't make don't try to make her out like she's older than she is she's not she she's like 35 when they're making this movie right and that would if it was best if she had a record in 67 she'd have to be in her 40s at least i was like don't give me that she's (laughs) she looks great stop it movie she does look great anyway so Oda Mae Brown is this sort of like con artist lady who is pretending to commune with the dead for her customers. But it turns out she can actually hear Sam. So because Sam is just watching her doing a reading and making like sarcastic comments. And she's like, who's saying that? And he's like, can you hear me? And she's like, yeah, what? And he's like, oh, my God, you can hear me. I need you to help you. My girlfriend's in danger. They're trying to kill her. And there's whatever. And, and she's just like, oh, my God, what? No, get, no. Out, of, get out of my life. So Sam kind of forces Otome to call Molly to try to give her this message about her being in danger. But Molly hangs up, unsurprisingly. And Sam's like, well, okay, like, I'll just haunt you constantly. (laughs) That's fine. And he, like, sings at her until she's like, okay, like, okay, I will do whatever you want. Just stop singing. So Otome goes to Molly's and Sam's apartment she stands on the sidewalk and she's like yelling like all these incredibly personal things. She's like, you know, the green underwear you wrote your name in or whatever. And eventually Molly is convinced enough to go out with Otome to like this diner. And Molly's like very skeptical, but Otome manages to convince her of, ultimately by saying ditto instead of I love you. Yeah. And that was because because Sam says tell her she's walking away. Because she's, she's basically like, well, what are you doing to me? Like, you understand Sam is dead and I'm grieving and this is like, you're putting me through something terrible, essentially. And she's walking away and Sam trying to get her to stay. He's like, tell her I love her. And Molly says, Sam would never say that. He said, tell her ditto. And she goes, what the hell is ditto? And then, you know, she goes, oh my gosh, like. It's you, really him. It, it's right? really him. Yeah. Which happens multiple times throughout the movie. Yeah. It's a little tedious, but. It's understandable. Yeah. So <laughs> Sam says, Otome, tell her she's in danger. And Otome is like, you can't just, you can't just come out like that. And then she turns, she goes, Molly, you in danger, girl. It's great. <laughs> this is the, maybe the best line of the movie. And explaining how, you know, Willie broke into the apartment to try to take something, but they're not sure what it is. But Sam followed the murderer. So he knows that he lives at 303 Prospect Place, which we were watching and Dan was like, uh, isn't that where Brianna used to live? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I, I lived like blocks away from there. Blocks away from there. Yeah. Actually, did I? I my first apartment was on Prospect Place, but further east. But yeah. And the other issue that I have is that when we follow Willie and when Sam follows Willie, he's getting off the J train at Myrtle Avenue, which is nowhere Shh. near prospect yeah, place i will like, have to say who doesn't who, know that who doesn't even like yes <laughs> but yeah that was like when he said three or three prospect plays because i'm taking notes for the movie he's like three or three prospect place and I, my head like snaps up i was like <laughs> i'm sorry what <laughs> like i mean i guess because you know he's supposed to kind of live in a dump and prospect heights is really gorgeous but i guess in you 30 know years 30 ago, years yeah yeah mm. but anyway Yes, that is very close to where I used to live. So Sam is trying to explain to Molly through Otome, like, 
this was not a random mugging. I was murdered, and Odame gets freaked out, and she leaves. she lives near the murderer, so yeah, she's she like, was across the street. That's how he like wandered into her storefront. Yeah, yeah. So Carl comes over, and she's like, "I, you know, this psychic came, and she knew all this stuff about Sam, and she's really, she really freaked me out, and and I'm just gonna call the police and tell them about this Willie Lopez guy or whatever." And Carl's like, "Psychics are the worst, and and they're just." They're messing with you, Molly, and how could you ever believe this? And like, oh, I'm just, ah, right? Except he's being pretty calm about it. He's not being, you know. I he, I, I didn't find him to be that calm. He was not calm, but he's not. He was, he, he was exuding a lot of rage. Oh, to me, he didn't start exuding a lot of rage until he was like cocaine Holding. sweating towards the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he was obviously... He, it was freaking his bean. I think it was. <laughs> yes. I think that was that was pretty yeah. obvious. Yeah, like, not obvious he to was, her. No, well, so if I had been in that situation and this was my friend and I didn't suspect him of anything untoward, I would have said, "Oh, he had some sort of a horrible past experience with a psychic or something, right? Like that his mother was taken in, or so." It was what? obviously very personal to him. No, 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 no. And this is a credit to Tony Goldwyn's acting. It was he does ob- a great job. He's so good. He is so good in this movie. It's obviously very personal to him when he is, like, lashing out against the idea of Molly listening to a psychic. So then Carl's like, I will go check out this guy and, like, you stay here and be safe. And so Sam follows Carl and Sam's like, oh, Carl, like, what, you know, be careful, buddy. Like, but he goes to Willie's apartment and Willie's like, Carl, what are you doing here? And Sam's like, wait, what? Oh, my God. (laughs) And yeah. I mean, I did see this coming a mile away, I have to say, but it was still... I mean, still... I already knew it, but... <laughs> the, they they close up on, on, on Swayze's face as he is putting the pieces together. And, like, it Swayze has to do a lot of face acting in this movie. <laughs> yes, he does. Just a lot of, like, close-up lo- lingering shots on him having a series of revelations. <laughs> and that's really hard to pull off. And he pulls it off, like gangbuster he is and also i will say i know we're not talking about this at all but uh the amount of times he is shirtless in this movie i was a big (laughs) fan of so i'm very in on swayze very very if i want sex object swayze i'm gonna watch dirty dancing okay that's true no i'm all right brianna no i'm just saying you don't don't have to choose (laughs) you can have both why not both (laughs) why not both so we get an explanation here of what Carl's deal is, which is that he's doing this money laundering, you know, via his position at the bank, he's doing this money laundering for drug dealers. He hired Willie just to mug Sam so that he could get like passcodes out of Sam's wallet. But Willie kind of went off the reservation and killed Sam. And yeah. Willie's like, you should be grateful. Like, you know, like I... <laughs> I, I solved your problem or whatever. And Carl's like, yeah, no, you didn't because I still don't have those codes. So like, give me Sam's keys. And like, I will go looking for this stuff in the apartment. And Sam like really tries to beat the snot out of Carl, but he's a ghost and it doesn't work. And this, that actually really affected me. Like, you know, the, the premise of this movie is obviously outlandish, but it really affected me when Carl's leaving Willie's apartment and Patrick Swayze follows him out and is trying to kick him and punch him and stuff. And he's yelling after the car. I had a life. 
Yeah. He's like, I had a life. I had a life. And he's screaming at him. And I was like, man, that is really like, you know, I don't think because Sam's character is in the entire movie and we're following him, it doesn't feel like he's gone. But he is, you know, like it's it's not the situation where, okay, well, if I write this wrong, then everything goes back to normal. It's like, no, he's still dead. He's just, you know what I mean? He's just protecting Molly from harm. Right. And so that made me sad. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, it's, you know, any human life being snuffed out is awful. Doubly so when you look like Patrick Swayze. (laughs) Molly tries to go to the police and the police are just like, Otome Brown is a fraud and a con artist and get out of our face. And it's one police officer is at least gentle about it. And I, did you recognize that actor? I kind of from office space. Thank you. So while Molly's at the police station, Carl breaks in and finds the codes in a shoebox, a shoebox that he kind of tried to take earlier. And it was like, Oh, this is a mistake. Ha ha ha. Of course it wasn't a mistake. So he goes to the office with the codes and he calls his criminal contact and they're like, okay. From his office phone. But like, well, it, was a different, it was a different time. I guess so, yeah. There were, he didn't have an alternative, right? <laughs> he couldn't get like a burner cell phone. Like, what was he going to do? I yes. So they're like, okay, like put all this money into this account under the name Rita Miller and here's the account number. And then at like 355 on, on Thursday, transfer it all to the First Island Bank of Nassau. And Sam is just watching him like, I cannot believe you killed me you for this. mother forker. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, of all the things to be killed for, like, this is an especially bad <laughs> motive. Four million dollars. In- that he says, he later says he's only going to get, like, it's some tiny $80, amount. $80,000. $80,000. Like, what? I mean, he must make more than that. Right? Yeah. Like, you're get What? <laughs> Yeah, that was such an absurd thing to me. Like, if it had been four million dollars that he got for himself, yeah, I might have kind of understood it. But I was like eighty thousand dollars. Like he talks about having like a really expensive car that probably costs something on the order of eighty thousand dollars. Like, how is eighty thousand dollars enough to put yourself in all this jeopardy? It's nuts. That's like when um, the episode of The Office when Dwight is making up a scenario for himself where he or he's basically saying like he's trying to taunt Jim and he says like welcome to you know hotel hell and like I'll be your concierge or whatever and (laughs) anyway but it's this whole thing where Jim gets him to say his like you know how much are you making as the the (laughs) co-owner of this like hotel in hell and he's like eighty thousand dollars it's the most money he can think of yeah because he works for dunder mifflin in scranton but i definitely i was like eighty thousand dollars i mean i think what they could have done and they didn't do was give tony goldwyn's character some motivations like we don't know like a drug habit either a drug habit or he's in debt or he wants you know like wants to afford a place like Patrick Swayze can't afford this like big beautiful apartment but he can't do it you know there yeah, was $80,000 is such a paltry motivation for this kind of fraud it just felt really bizarre so yeah it didn't really you know it I mean he does Tony Goldwyn does a great job but I think they could have yeah they could have just thrown in a little bit about how he has a drug habit and this is his way of being able to kind of pay back his yeah. Drug debt or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that he's been using more than he can afford. Whatever. Yeah. They, they don't. So it- He certainly <laughs> seems like he's on drugs towards the end. So. 
Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. So Carl comes by the apartment again uh, later, and Sam is like, Molly, he's he's the bad guy. He, he's the bad guy, Molly, but <laughs> of course it doesn't help. And then he's like, hey, can I have some coffee? And then she like turns around for a second, and oh he like God. spills it on himself. This was the point at which I buried my head. <laughs> In my husband's torso and was like, just tell me when it's over. <laughs> like, I cannot watch this guy like, oh, I got to take my shirt off. Like, oh, hey. like I mean, he's a good looking dude, but. No, it's... but it's nothing to do with his looks. He's a perfectly fine looking gentleman. It was the character. Sure. Being like such a skis ball. He was being like, such a skis. Like, I had your your boyfriend. She was, she, in fact, we didn't mention this. She had just asked him to marry her. When he got yes, killed. Which I loved. She's like, I want to get married. And I was like, yes, women yes. doing it for themselves. <laughs> so essentially her fiance, he gets the guy killed and then he's going to make a move on her. Are you for real? And I'm just like, yeah. I can't, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. No, and he's I, like taking off a shirt like, uh, and he's like, oh, Sam wouldn't want you to like be stuck in the past. And he like tries to shove his tongue in her mouth or something. Ugh, but then Sam gross. manages to knock the photo of himself off of... Uh, the end table. Yeah, because Carl had like enough. moved. Carl had like turned it around before he sat down. So gross. And Sam went pachong and actually manages to knock it onto the floor. And that like shocks Molly out of her stupor and is like, "Yeah, you gotta go now." Okay, bye. Well, and that's the other thing about Carl's character's motivation is that I couldn't tell. Like, is he coming on to her? Because he actually wanted to be with her and he was jealous of Patrick Swayze? Or is he coming on to her because he's trying to, like, distract her from this, all the psychic stuff and, and worrying about Sam? Does he want her to, like, get over Sam so that she'll stop being so obsessed with how he died? Like, I couldn't mm. quite tell. The motivation was a little muddy to me. So this was my assumption, but this is predicated on some sort of pre-existing beliefs, maybe? Here it felt to me like probably he had always thought that Molly was, you know, gorgeous, which she is. And And she's Demi Moore. Yes. And probably always was jealous of Sam and kind of saw this as an opportunity. Like, yeah, it seemed to me to be unconnected, mostly unconnected with the fact that he actually was the cause of Sam's death. Okay. But that's just... uh, No, I mean, that's reasonable. That's kind of what I thought, too, but... I couldn't tell, I you know, there were points where I was like, is he just trying to get her to, like, move on so that she'll stop with the investigating and all that, too? Anything is, I don't know. I don't know. But at this point, we have a Rocky training montage because Sam goes back to the subway and jumps around until he finds Schizophrenic Subway Ghost and says, I need you to teach me how to affect things like you do in the real world. And he does. And they have a little Rocky montage. And Sam now can move objects. Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> and now the MTA has even more things to clean up MTA's after. like, ugh, ghosts. Just, <laughs> just ruining our, <laughs> our, our, our cigarette dispensing machines <laughs> at 42nd so Street. see those. Oh, it's so great. This is such a blast from the past. I know. I, and also, like, I mean, I know I live here and everything, but New York City, like, those subways were gross, man. The subway platforms. <laughs> I know they're still gross, but they looked extra gross. <laughs> also, no extras on the subway platform. Like, Oh, that was, that was unbelievable. And at 42nd Street, I was like, <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. I mean, 
if you want to pick a place, like, if he's in the Rockaways, yeah, I believe that. In the middle of the night, nobody's <laughs> at that station. But, like, not on 42nd Street, my friend. Mm-mm. Not happening. Just Brianna's so hired City you, Corner. They should, have, yeah, they should have hired you as a consultant at the age of one or two. <laughs> so now Sam goes back to Otome. But now the, the floodgates somehow, this is never really explained. The floodgates have opened and all these ghosts are coming to Otome to talk to their to their loved ones that they've left behind. And a, a spirit ends up jumping into her body. And it's actually pretty funny because Whoopi Goldberg has to do an impression of this guy. And he basically insults. It's hard to know who he's talking to if it's his... Because, you know, the, the age of the spirit doesn't necessarily indicate... You know, he could have been that age 20 years ago, right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't know. But, you know, he's talking to his wife or his daughter or somebody and is and basically insults her hair. <laughs> it's pretty great. But... Then he kind of gets ejected from uh, Otome's body, and she's like, everybody out. But Sam is like, no, 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 Otome, I, I need your help. And then Willie shows up, and Sam's like, oh, that's Willie Lopez. Like, you've got to run now. And Willie tries to shoot her, which is great. Because <laughs> Carl told him to. Carl said, get rid of her. I'm sorry, you're right. I forgot to say that part, that, you know... Molly made the mistake of telling Carl exactly who the psychic was. So then Carl sent Willie after Otome. So Sam's like, okay, I have a plan. So <laughs> Sam and Otome go to the bank where Sam worked and he manages to finagle things because he knows everybody and everything. He fa- he finagles things so that she is able to withdraw all the money in this fake Rita Miller account. It's $4 million. <laughs> And uh, it's pretty funny. But Molly sees her doing it briefly. But they manage to get away. Uh, Sam and Otome manage to get away. As soon as they're out of the bank, there is a table of nuns collecting for a homeless shelter. And Sam makes Otome give the signed cashier's check to the nuns. He's like, this will keep you safe. You don't have the money. So they can't kind of target you, which is a little naive. But I understand his line of thinking there. So then this is this is sort of the rising action here, right? Yeah. So now Carl is at his desk and is trying to, you know, it's 3.55 on Thursday or whatever. And he tries to transfer the money and the Rita May, sorry, the Rita Miller account is closed. And he starts getting the flop sweats. <laughs> this is such a great, I mean, I know we're just praising everybody's acting, but honestly, this was such a great portrayal of that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach when something has gone horribly wrong. And not only something has gone horribly wrong, but you can't tell anyone about it because the thing you're trying to do is wrong. (laughs) It's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. I have, so probably, I'm not sure, if I thought really hard about it, I could probably come up with more examples, but the closest I can think of is this one time I was with a, a friend of mine and his family from work. Well, his my friend from work and his family. This family was not also from work. <laughs> and he had a very young child. He the, the, the son was two or three at the time. And they had me watching this child at like a, like a fall festival at the elementary school. And I lost him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, everything was fine, right? This kid basically had been told, hey, this girl that you don't really know very well is, uh, you know, this girl, Marissa, is going to be watching after you. And he, in his own mind, decided, like, yeah, I'm not into that. Like, I'm going to find I'm gonna find my parents by myself. So he, like, while he, he got away from me, basically, on purpose. And, but that feeling in the pit of my stomach, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was what I saw on Carl's face in this scene. And I was like, oh, that's some good acting. Because he's great. I'm, he's great. I know what that feels like. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I 
have had, I'm sure I have had moments like that, but yeah, it is just, and yeah, just like pure dread or like, haven't you ever been broken up with oh, and all you the time? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But, like, you see it coming. Oh, yeah. You know? 100%. Where the, where the guy's like, hey, we need to talk. Or, like, you know, let's meet at a neutral third-party location to have a conversation you, about you know something. You're going, and you're you like, this know is... what's coming. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to bring it all no, back for you. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It wasn't just Valentine's Day. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, so he's like, he's got that look on his face. It's just so perfect. And so he's like freaking out that this money is gone. So at some point, Sam is just kind of decides to mess with him, which probably was not a great idea. <laughs> and so he, Carl is still like typing on the computer, trying to get things to work. Nothing is working because the account is closed. Oh, it's, it's not even an Apple IIe. <laughs> and Sam types on the keyboard murderer. And Carl's like, oh my God. Who's doing that? And Sam just types Sam, 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 Sam. So now Carl believes in ghosts, <laughs> which was Sam's first mistake. Maybe not his first mistake, more like his 12th mistake in this movie. So Carl goes to Molly's apartment and is like, God, he's always over at her apartment. Well, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like no. something is wrong. And, and Molly's like, Carl, what's the matter? And Carl is like cocaine sweating all over the place. Yeah. And like, what did that psychic say to you about Sam and how, like, how much did she know? And Molly is like, is this about Otome being at the bank today? And Carl's like, OMG. So Molly's like, hold on just a second, like, goes to get something from upstairs. And Carl talks to the empty air, kind of like realizing Sam is there and is like, I will well, kill Sam is like throwing stuff at him. Oh, that's right. Oh, and like kind of punching him, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like throwing him around a little bit, right? Yeah, like he kind of, yeah, yeah. he manages to like get, shove him around a little bit. So yeah. he's like, so Carl is like feeling this sort of supernatural stuff going on. And so Carl's just like, I will kill Molly. And he like gets a knife out of the butcher block and is like, I will. He was, <laughs> like, I was like, Molly is just like so oblivious this entire time. She's, she she comes out, she's like, Carl, are you okay? And he's like, Sweating, sweating profusely with like, a knife in his hand had just been yelling is like growling at nothing holding a <laughs> like a butcher knife and she's like is everything okay and he's like yep totally fine i have to go i can't explain why but i'll be back at your apartment at 11, 11 p.m on a weeknight no thank you sir like, i'd be like yeah, no, I'm going to bed. I'd be like 24 like hour 25 years. That ish. <laughs> or like, just go stay at a friend's house. You know, like, yeah. she's just like, what's the matter? And he's like, I'll be back at 11. Because he, t- he tells Sam, like, if I don't have the money by 11 p.m., I will kill Molly. Yeah, I'm going to slit her throat. With this knife! Ah! Hey, Carl, everything okay? <laughs> yeah, everything is great. great. It's great. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> so... <laughs> Sam, like, goes to Oda. So I, it's not clear to me how Sam is getting around. Like, did he take the sub? Did, did the subway to... Can you imagine? It's like, ding! Like, attention passengers, we are delayed train traffic ahead of us. And he's just, like, a commuting ghost. Like, trying to get to Brooklyn from... Although Brooklyn from Lower Manhattan is a pretty quick not trip. Not that bad. That's it's like true. 30 That's minutes. True. Yeah. So, so Sam goes to Otome's place where she's with her sisters. And he's like... Uh, everything's gone to pot basically like everything is horrible and like you have to watch out and then 
like just as he is explaining, Willie comes. I get to, oh Carl and Willie show up in the and he's like looking at the window. He's like, oh my god, they're there, they're there, they're like here, they're here right now. Yeah, and, and Otome is like really annoyed with him because she's like, you said this wasn't gonna happen, and he's yeah. like, well, sorry, sorry. Go. <laughs> so they. <laughs> So the three women like run out of their apartment and they like banging on all the other apartment stores and no, of course nobody wants to help them, right? Like this I mean, is that was yep, I was very like accurate. 100%. <laughs> yeah, they managed to like sneak their way into some old lady's apartment and she's like, "I don't want you to." They're like, "Too bad." <laughs> so they kind of go in, but Otome realizes she's like, "Yeah, they're gonna kill us." And and meanwhile, Willie and but Sam and she's like, "Sam, where are you?" But he's gone because he's dealing with Willie Lopez who has gone into Otome's apartment. And so Sam starts like knocking things around and scaring him. And he like, he like turns the hot water on and he, and he fogs up the bathroom mirror and he writes boo in it, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And Willie gets super freaked out. And Carl is like trying to get Willie to do things for him. And Willie's like, you're on your own, man. And he like runs out of the apartment building. He, and he's so freaked out. And, and Sam keeps kind of pushing him around. Willie gets so weirded out that he runs into the street and he gets hit by a car. This, by the way, is the only part of this movie that I had ever seen. I, like, caught this on a cable oh, really? channel or something one time. So the only image I had of this movie was Willie dies. He, like, stands up. You know, his spirit gets out of his body. And, I, again, like, everybody's doing such a great job in this movie. Like, the look on his face when he realizes he's dead is, like, really great. <laughs> yeah, because he can see Sam and he doesn't understand it. And then he's like, okay. Yeah. And then, yeah. He, yeah. And then he gets dragged to hell. Yep, that happens. <laughs> this was the only image I had of this movie was this guy being dragged to hell. So he, these horrible black shadows like amass on the pavement and and jump up and, and drag him to hell. Yep. That is what happens. Yep. It's upsetting. That is upsetting. And Sam is honestly like, oh my God. Like he, Sam has never seen this happen and did not realize that this is a thing that would happen quite yeah. obviously. And he's like, oh damn. Okay. So Sam goes back to Otome and she, I forget how she, how she like kind of manages to get away from Carl. Uh, Carl follows Willie out onto the street. Oh, right. He sees Willie get killed and is just sort of like, ooh, okay. Yeah, things are getting out of hand fast. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Otome takes a car, takes a taxi to Molly's apartment and Sam like manipulates the gas pedal to make it go faster, which is pretty funny. And they get to the apartment again. And of course, Molly doesn't want to let her in. And it's this whole other thing of Otome yelling things about, <laughs> you know, that Sam is telling her. And then he, he, he Sam says Otome slide a penny under the door and then he manages to push the penny across the floor up the door while Molly is watching this penny kind of independently like scoot across the floor and up the door and then he like puts it on his finger and manages to like float it over to her so finally finally she's convinced but you know what at this point in the movie I turn to my husband and I say please don't haunt me yeah please don't haunt me I was like just just please don't and he's like I would just say goodbye I was like saying goodbye is fine please don't haunt me don't want to be haunted this seems like a giant pain in the butt like molly is going through a lot in this movie she is i don't want to be haunted so that's fair so molly so otome is like we're we're in serious trouble like you should definitely call the police so she calls the police and molly and sam are having a conversation through otome and Otome finally takes pity on sam and says look you can use my body like just jump into my body so he 
jumps into her body and they, you know, it starts off that you see Whoopi Goldberg kind of taking Demi Moore by the hand, but then they kind of transition so that it's Patrick Swayze. So even though you know it's Oda May, you know, sort of standing there, you are to understand, you know, Demi Moore keeps her eyes closed the whole time, you know, so that she can kind of just imagine that it is Sam. And they they sort of embrace and they slow dance and that in the the same Righteous Brothers song that played during the clay sex scene (laughs) plays here. And they have this very sweet moment. But then Carl comes back. Effing Carl. Because it's 11 p.m. apparently. So he bangs on the door and like they're all shocked and and Sam kind of falls out of (laughs) Otome's body. And what was established earlier was that possessing somebody really sort of drains you of all of your energy. So he's kind of like staggering around on the floor. And meanwhile, Molly and Otome like just run. It's like, run, girl, run. They're just like, run, run, yeah. run, run, run. They are like climbing up ladders and stuff. And at one point, Carl gets a hold of Otome's foot and like drags her onto the floor. And he's got a gun and he's kind of like holding her at gunpoint. And Otome is like, I don't even know what to do at this point. Sam comes and knocks the gun out of Carl's hand, but Carl manages to get his hands back on it. And then he takes Molly as a hostage. And he's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot her, Sam. I'm going to shoot her. But, but Sam gets the gun away from Carl again. And the women kind of like take shelter basically and let the the man and the ghost have it out. (laughs) And... Carl's death here is quite gruesome. So he... It is insane. Yeah. So he gets... There's this, like, swinging hook that they've been using to, like, take large items into the apartment via the window instead of having to bring him up the stairs and through the door. And I th- I forget if it's Sam... I forget if it's Sam or Carl who pushes the hook. Uh, uh, Carl does. The hook keeps swinging and, and it starts breaking glass in the window. And basically the... Glass comes down and st- and just like full out stabs Carl like right in the stomach. It is gruesome. It's real nasty. <laughs> this whole scene again. I was I was sort of hiding behind my husband for a lot of this. I didn't remember how Carl died. I knew he did die because I remember him getting dragged. He gets dragged to hell. <laughs> That's what happens next. <laughs> I I do remember that he did die, but I didn't remember how. Because there was sort of this threat of like, well, if you don't get the money to us, then like, we're going to kill you. Like Carl. The drug dealers might kill him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Carl believes that he's on borrowed time, essentially. Um, So I was like, oh, maybe did the drug dealers find him? I kind of forget what happens. No, he gets (laughs) impaled (laughs) by like a glass, a broken glass window. It is gnarly. Like I was like, I, I had my, yeah, I was head behind the husband at that point. <laughs> and he's like, just don't look, don't look. And I'll his acting when it's too, over. his acting too, when he, oh, it's so realizes good. that he's dead and he, cause he can see Sam and he's like totally flummoxed. And then he's he like, like, Sam? And Sam's like, oh, Carl, because he knows what's about to happen. Yeah. And, and Carl like looks at his own body and is like, oh no. Yeah. It's such a, like, I mean, just all of his mistakes catch up to him in one moment. And he has one moment to realize it and regret it. And then he gets dragged to hell. It's bad. He gets dragged to hell. And it's, again, it's pretty upsetting. Yeah. So he gets dragged to hell. And then <laughs> Sam goes and is like, are you girls okay? And they're like, yes. And... <laughs> 
Molly's like, oh, Sam, I can hear you. And then there's this very long scene where Sam is kind of like lit up by this light from heaven mm-hmm. and he and Molly can see each other and he and Odame can see each other for the first time because Odame's only ever been able to hear him. And they say goodbye to each other. It's very long and protracted. It's really needed to be cut down. But in essence, he gets assumed into heaven and he and Molly basically say like, I'll see ya. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see ya. And now, of course, Molly has to live the rest of her life like, okay, I have to be super good so that I know that I also get assumed into heaven. <laughs> yeah. And and I really liked, Sam tells Otome, like, I'll miss you, Otome. Yeah. And, he, and she says, cute. and she says, you know, you're an okay guy. And it was like really sweet. And then he walks into heaven and then it's like cut to black. And That's I was like, end. no, oh, We don't really? get to see what happens to the living people after this like ridiculous event has happened to them right so what i really wanted was like one month later and then we just get a shot of molly and otome in a convertible just driving <laughs> in, in, in carl's like convertible yes <laughs> just driving into the sunset without a care in the world because i just feel like the, these two ladies need a break <laughs> they have been through a lot through no fault of their own yeah that is for dang sure all right that's the movie. That is the movie. Where do you want to start with the... Uh... Oh, boy. I just want to, again, praise all the acting in this yes. movie. I feel like I've said I've, I've said it a bunch of times, and maybe I should stop saying it, but, like, everyone does such an amazing job in this it's movie. Very good. Uh, like, all of the all the moments of realization of, like, either, like, I am dead, or this person can see me or hear me, or all that stuff is is just done so exquisitely and it's and it could so easily be messed up and they really they really did it well. Yeah. I think in particular Whoopi Goldberg did a fantastic job of, you know, having like having these conversations she really as an actress didn't seem afraid of like she really went for it. She didn't seem afraid of like looking too silly or or you know, being out there or whatever. Cause there are a lot of scenes that force her to be, you know, the conduit obviously, but like to a bunch of people who have no idea what's happening and she has to like translate for him or, you know, pretend to be somebody that she's not so that they can kind of move the, the story along and, or move his plot along. And she just does such a great job of like having these little side arguments with him and also maintaining her own, you know, trying to maintain her own facade. I, I really, I thought her performance was great. Well, IMDb says that it was Patrick Swayze who told the producers, like, you have to get Whoopi Goldberg for this. God bless Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yeah. For multiple was, reasons. Yeah, that he was just like, oh, I'm a huge fan of her work and she's going to she's gonna kill this. It's going to be great. And they were like, we don't know. And he's like, no, 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 trust me. And he, of course, was correct because Yay! he was Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. I love you. My friends, or one of my friends from college and I have a have a tradition that dates back to our, our time abroad together where we would drink Baileys and watch Patrick Swayze movies and we called it Swabailey's Night. <laughs> and so that's where oh, I got dear. a lot of my Patrick Swayze in college, drinking Baileys and watching. I, I, I'm curious about the metaphysics somewhat of like... There's a lot there's a lot of unanswered questions because this movie is not about the afterlife really. Sort of about what happens in the pause between the life and the afterlife. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious as to like how it's decided if you go to heaven or hell. Like so all we see is that 
Patrick Swayze goes to heaven. He wasn't, it doesn't seem like he was an especially great guy. He just seems like a normal dude. Yeah, he didn't kill anyone. He didn't, he didn't kill anyone. <laughs> is that, is that the criterion? Like, if you're just, it seems like in this universe, and I'm all for this, certainly. It seems like in this universe, if you're just like a decent guy who like pays his taxes and says ditto to his girlfriend, <laughs> then you get to go to heaven. <laughs> so yeah. that's. That's good, I guess. But if you are, like, obviously evil, then you go to hell. I mean, maybe it's... sort it's of an... the opposite of the good place, right? It's like the presumption is that you go to heaven. Or it's, it's, like, like... it's like the Robert Downey Jr. movie, right? Like, all these... You know, like, um, the, the con artist from that movie was going to heaven, even though he was a con artist. And we kind of surmised, like, I guess it's because he didn't kill anybody. Sorry, he wasn't yeah. going to heaven. He was being resurrected. Ugh, that movie is kind of a mess, metaphysically. But, like... I mean, all of these are messes metaphysically, I think. Sure. But yeah, I mean, you don't really know anything. I mean, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore's character both... Actually, everybody in the movie doesn't have really much of, like, a, a, an external life outside of the other characters. So mm-hmm. we don't know what Patrick Swayze is like other than, because we don't, he's only alive in the movie for about 20 minutes. Right. So we see that, okay, maybe he has a few commitment issues, but overall he's like a decent He's boyfriend. a decent dude. That's, yeah. yeah. He seems like a decent dude. I mean, he works on Wall Street, which is like, yeah, uh, not... <laughs> my version of like what a decent dude's job would be but i think they had to if they were gonna set up this character as you know finding this money like how else was he gonna do that right like well, but it, more to the point i think that the stance of this movie basically is most people get to go to heaven you know you have to do something really heinous yeah. to get shut out but then also like there are all those ghosts that are hanging out with otome are they people who also have things? Because she does say at one point, uh, Demi Morris is basically saying, like, well, how is Sam here? You know, how did that happen? And Otome says, well, his he hasn't crossed over yet because, like, this happens when the soul gets taken, like, really quickly from the body. And But she might just be BSing. Well, we that's, what don't I'm, know. that's what I'm saying is that, is that Patrick Swayze says, uh, oh, you know... Y- you're just running your mouth. You don't actually know what you're talking about. But it seemed like that actually was the case that as soon as like he had this unfinished business and as soon as he was done with that unfinished business, he was able to go to heaven. Sure. That's a pretty standard. Yeah. You know, ghost story kind of plot. But then you do, then you sort of have these questions about, so the, the old man in the hospital, it's implied that he's been there a while. Cause has, my assumption about him was that he'd been waiting for his wife this whole time. The whole... so, But, like, how long was that? Was it, like, a year? Or was it, like... 30 years. A few hours? Or was it 30 years, right? Yeah. Like... Ooh, and, he seemed and ha- pretty blasé about being a ghost, I'll tell you that. He, yeah, he's definitely gotten used to it. And then the guy on... Then Schizophrenic Subway Ghost, like... That's kind of a heart... You want to believe that when people die... If you believe in some sort of spirit that doesn't stay connected to your body, you want to believe that that 
entity is free of things like mental illness as well as physical illness, right? Was he supposed to be mentally ill or was he supposed to be... Absolutely. I just thought he... Absolutely. Okay. Because I was thinking maybe he's just been a ghost for a really long time and you sort of forget what it's like to be a human. No. When he says... When Swayze asks him, how long have you been a ghost? And he says, since they pushed me. And he says, you were pushed? And he goes, what? You don't believe me? Oh, you don't think oh. they You don't think they pushed me? You think I jumped you? And then, and then he all of a sudden is like, who are you? Who sent you? He's yeah. obviously schizophrenic. Okay. And it's like, well, that's not fair. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you have mental illness, that it seems like we are to infer from this that he did jump, I would say. Yeah. And that he has retained his schizophrenic delusions after death that he was pushed. Like, that's not cool. That's not fair. Like, you should be released of those things when you die. Like, you should, you know, you shouldn't be, me- you shouldn't have a mental illness like that anymore. Yeah. And and you should be free to, you know, go to heaven or hell or whatever you deserve and not be stuck in the subway because of this mental illness. Like, that's what it felt like to me, that he was stuck there because he was mentally ill. Oh, or do you think he was, if he did jump, is that a commentary on, like, what happens if you commit suicide? Uh, good question. I don't know. We don't see very many ghosts. The old man, I don't think we're to assume he committed suicide. No. And the woman in the graveyard we have no information about. Yeah, he runs into a lady in the graveyard. Uh, he basically just, like, waves at him, like, tee hello, I'm a ghost, too. And, he's and then, like, like goes into her own, seems like, goes into her own... Headstone. Headstone. Yeah. I guess if you are a ghost, like, a graveyard is your place is your place to pick up other ghosts. <laughs> you think she's, like, doing a little fishing? You know? I, you could do worse, right? I mean... <laughs> I mean, you absolutely could. <laughs> it's not every day that a guy who looks like Patrick Swayze, you know, dies. R.I.P. Actual Patrick Swayze. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's a weird. Uh, they didn't have to explain a much, and they chose not to explain practically anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you're right. This movie really isn't so much about the afterlife as it is about one man's. It, it's it's all about the stuff that is still happening on Earth after this guy right. dies. It is not about, oh, I'm a ghost, let me learn how to be a ghost, or let me... Kind of, except for, except for the except for the training physical montage. montage. Yeah. Or, oh, I'm a ghost, and now I get to know what the afterlife is like. He doesn't, he doesn't seem interested in that, because he's just so worried about Molly, which makes sense. For good sense. reason. For good yeah, reason. it makes sense. Turns out for good reason, yeah. But it's almost the opposite of last week's movie, right? Yes. Last... Uh, defending defending your life was sort of all about the particulars of this afterlife that they had imagined or cooked up. And this movie is not at all about that. I mean, we're just supposed to fill in our own mental conception of heaven and hell here. Somebody who watched this movie and had kind of been raised not, and I'm not sure this is even possible, right? But like, if you'd been raised without the concept of an afterlife and you watch this movie, I, I'm not sure exactly what you would think was happening. And maybe that's purposeful. Maybe every people with different religions watch this and come up with different sort of conclusions about what actually happens to these souls. Maybe someone from a certain religion might say like, well, now he's going to be reborn. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Or, maybe, or maybe he stops existing because he has sort of reached some sort of... Like, pinnacle or something. Mm-hmm. But certainly, 
I think the the, the, the Judeo Christian outlook of America, generally speaking, you know, I think we're kind of supposed to be like heaven, hell, and just fill in the details in our own minds. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably more. You could go more directions with the like bright light being assumed into the bright light than you could probably with those like <laughs> CGI shadow demons? shadow demons that come and whisk uh, our murderers away. That's for sure. You yeah, know, I, I didn't need to see anything more about that. First, certainly, I, 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 I was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it actually like what I liked about it was that you could kind of see right on Patrick Swayze's face before the demons come for Tony Goldwyn. You could kind of see this look on his face of like he knows what's about to happen to him. Yes, he and, says, "Oh, Carl." Yeah, but like he knows. There's a part of him that's like, "But you're my." F- friend yes totally like i you know sort of coming to grips with the fact that like okay you know you did horrible things and you took my life for me and all that but like i did know you and the thought of knowing what's about to happen to you is is almost too much to bear yeah yeah Yeah. i was thinking that like it would be really difficult i mean you Someone can do a horrible thing and still be very dear to somebody else, right? I mean, that's... Most people who do horrible things are dear to somebody. And the thought of watching while that... While someone who's very dear to you gets dragged to hell, even if the thing that they did was kill you, you know... Yeah. That's... That's a lot. (laughs) And that That, also goes to having a little bit more motivation for that character so that we feel... For Tony Goldwyn's character, so that we feel like we we kind of understand, like, this is a guy who is in over his head. And, like, I don't know, maybe we're not supposed to feel for him. But he played it, I think, so well that you do end Tony up Tony Goldwyn of, or Patrick yeah, Swayze? Both of them. But Tony Goldwyn kind of played it such that you do end up feeling like this is a guy who's in over his head and has made just, like, didn't realize how out of control this was all going to get. And so... You know, his moment of realization, yeah, you said it really well, that he, like, un- recognizes it, regrets it, and then has, like, one moment of that before, you know, an eternity, I guess, of... Well, we, yeah, we don't actually know, but that's that would be the assumption, the assumption surely. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, the Christmas ghost movie that we watched, where <laughs> his, the cousin kills... Daniel and then is like where am I going to go I killed someone and they have that whole scene and then Daniel forgives him right so it seems from that movie's perspective it seems more like maybe he's not being dragged to hell right (laughs) Right? but this movie is very clear on like there's a good place and a bad place and Carl is going to the bad place and it very much is like so this is a problem that I always have I have this problem in real life of like I, I think I have too much compassion for people who even who do terrible things. I mean, not uniformly across the board, not every single person, but, you know, I, certainly anytime there's something in the news where someone's being prosecuted for something or whatever, oftentimes I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, they did a bad thing, but like, ooh, like a life in prison, like, ee. like I would be the worst prosecutor on the face of the planet. I'd be like, ooh, but... Mm. <laughs> and, like, that's just, you know, that that's a finite amount of time. <laughs> this is this is an eternity. eternity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little less compassionate than you, I think. 
Yeah, for some that's people. accurate. <laughs> I don't know. I heard Rachel Maddow this week said that Paul Manafort might spend might die in federal was, prison, and I was like, like yes. "Sounds right to me." No, see, that's exactly the thing I was thinking about. I didn't want to like get too far into politics, but I did watch Maddow last night. So we're recording on Saturday night. I watched. I watched on Friday night. Uh, this is the, my hot weekend action. <laughs> watch Maddow on Friday and record our podcast on Saturday. But I did, you know, Maddow was very evocative, like, he he may have already taken his last free breath, I think she said. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> See, but my, I go, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> I know, I know. People do terrible things, and I just, I always feel like, oh, but I feel sorry for them. <laughs> I always feel sorry for almost everybody. Not, again, not uniformly, not across the board, but I often feel sorry for people who do terrible things. And I and, and certainly this movie encourages you to feel sorry for Carl, I would argue, the way that it's directed sure. and acted. It yeah. encourages you to feel so sorry for him. And I think that it kind of it kind of makes you you know, if I believed in an afterlife, you know, that, of course that's like the point of all the movies we're doing this month, right? It's like, well, if you believe in an afterlife, then what exactly is going to happen to you and like what determines what happens to you? Mm-hmm. And I don't believe in an afterlife, but man, this movie really made me think like, well, you know, who who is deciding this? Like and is there is there an appeals process? <laughs> like like was he spent, you know, I don't know, Carl's like 35 or something. I don't, maybe he's 30 or something. Did he spend 28 years basically being a good dude and then two years like mired in drug nonsense? And if he had lived, would he have been able to sort of find his way out of it? And and I don't know. It's just <laughs> this whole like black and white heaven or hell. I don't I don't like it one bit. <laughs> <laughs> Human beings are complicated. I had, so I had drinks with a friend from work last night who we were having a conversation, not exactly like this, but similar in that he is sort of, he was sort of talking to me about like healthy societies and, you know, people being mentally healthy. And, you know, if someone does a bad action, then, you know, we were talking about, like, criminal justice reform and, and military justice reform and these kinds of things. And, you know, if someone does a bad action, then you have to understand their motivation and and figure out, like, okay, why did you make this decision and all these kinds of things. And yeah, so I, I was like, do you watch The Good Place? And he said, every person I respect has told me to watch The Good Place. And I was like, I... <laughs> I was well, like, then let me become a person you don't respect I was telling like, you to watch The Good Place. I was like, you need to watch this show because this is a lot of what this is about, is like the choices that you make and how much of it is... Because he was basically talking about like, you know, a lot of this is what we're, we're socialized. The de- You know, the decisions we make are, are based on like what we're socialized to do our environments and and those kinds of things and and he's had some experiences abroad as well so he's had he's seen some cultural differences and yeah he was sort of talking about a lot of these same themes and i was like you need to watch the good place because this is what this show is about and like and so it's interesting to see other people's like takes on that and yeah i mean in, in this situation i think it's meant to be black and white in the I guess, like, week, the, like, five days that this movie takes place over, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not a long grieving process for her, that's for sure. Like, it, we, or we don't get to see, like, months of and months of it. And we, and we don't know enough about, I think... I think the, it's... I think it's more time than that. Okay. But it's... But it's... What I mean is, like, we don't... Because we don't get to see a lot of their... Like, we are plopped into this movie, you know, right before the action. In medias res, yeah. Yeah. So... All we know is, like, here's this couple, here's Tony Goldwyn, he's always hanging out with them, they're all bros, and then, like... Or are they? Or are they? But there's really no explanation of, like, why he's making the decisions that he's making, why Patrick Swayze has the commitment issues that he does, or anything like that. It's really just, like... Yeah, and then you wonder, too, about, like, Oda May. Okay, if this is about committing... If you go to hell if you commit a crime... Well, we said murder. Right. But I'm extrapolating from that and saying, like, well, where does it stop? Is it, like, because she's been to prison for fraud before and, like, racketeering. But she also helped Patrick Swayze. So, like, it is, it becomes that scale, right? Those, like, good place points and bad place points. Who's who's judging this? We don't actually know. I, I mean, I got the sense that the, the being dragged to hell was really reserved for the edge cases. <laughs> That it wasn't like, well, this guy cheated on his taxes and he kept parking in handicapped spaces, therefore he's being dragged to hell. Like, I don't think that that's a thing in the context of this movie, but, like, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So we have to decide what we're doing next week. And uh, I think my vote might be for Beetlejuice. Okay. (laughs) Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Do you... uh, Yeah, I mean, this is making off air, but, like, I have the DVD, (laughs) so this is actually easy for me. It, It might be on Netflix. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah, everyone should watch Beetlejuice. Like Beetlejuice. It's a, it's a great, it's a great movie. The way that you love Ghost, I love Beetlejuice. There you go. I think I'm more of an Alec Baldwin in Beetlejuice lover than a Patrick Swayze in Ghost lover. Like you're going for like the raw sexuality. <laughs> I'm going for like the buttoned up sort of flannel shirt and glasses wearing model train enthusiast Alec Baldwin. <laughs> like that's more my tempo. <laughs> Is that guy? <laughs> hey, you do you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I will. So we'll we'll do um, we'll do Beetlejuice next week, which is just a an absolute joy of a movie. It is great. It is great, and it's a great afterlife movie because it's got a lot of sense of humor about the afterlife, and Michael Keaton is fantastic. Everybody, I mean, everybody in Beetlejuice rocks. Everyone, that movie is amazing. So. We'll Catherine time. O'Hara, like, let's not sleep on Catherine O'Hara. Let us, let us not. I mean, and then we'll have the continuation with these weird sculptures. <laughs> <laughs> it's Weird Sculpture Month here at the <laughs> podcast. Okay. Until next time, have a good life, have a good death, goodbye. <laughs> we'll see you next time, Ding Dongs. Yeah.